in the, um, when, the, when the church in the first century was established, all sorts of threats faced the local assemblies of believers. There was the threat of persecution at any moment. Believers in Christ could be killed, they could be imprisoned, they could have their possessions confiscated by the state. There, were also, uh, there was also theological heresy um, that Satan saw to it that people routinely invaded the church and that they tried to pervert the message of the gospel. Sometimes these attempts were subtle, sometimes they were overt, but all of these attempts at diluting the power of the gospel would do just that. They would, they would remove the gospel of its power. And then there, of course, were, you know, one of the other threats that faced the local church was just the people in the church because we're all human beings, right? And we all come into this place with all of the stuff, all of the baggage of being human, envy and lust and conflict and Pride, all of these things threatened the church as well, just the sheer humanness of people in the church. As Paul, the, as the Apostle Paul, the original church planner, recognized, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul recognized and wanted each local church to put in place people who were established followers of Christ, who were known for their spiritual maturity, who were known for their wisdom, and who had good reputations not only inside the church, but also outside the church. And Paul called these people overseers. The word that we would use today would be elders. These were not to be perfect people because there are no perfect people. They were just people who knew Christ, who were known to walk by the power of the Spirit of God, who cared passionately about Christ and about the revolution that he had started. They cared about his church. They cared about his people. And Paul wrote to one of his partners in ministry, a young man by the name of Titus. And he said this in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. He said, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and that you might appoint elders in every town as I directed you. He says, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. He says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. This morning, on our first anniversary, I'm very excited to tell you that we are going to install this morning a group of elders who will oversee our church. When I was asked to lead City Church, the first thing I did was put together a constitution for our church. It's required by law, but it also sets out how we are going to be governed as a church. And in that constitution, um, I wrote, I I I wanted us to be an elder-led church. Now, that will come as a surprise to some of you. Um, Maybe it will come as a surprise to many of you. Uh, What that means is that the elders will be the ultimate authority of our church, not the pastor and not the congregation. The elders will be the ultimate authority over our church. Now, I, I I want you to know that 
any form of church government can be abused. And frankly, you know, I, I have... I have experienced that abuse by elders. However, I will still say that of all the forms of church government that there are, the elder-led form of government is the very best. And with good elders, a church can thrive. My job as a pastor will be to submit to these elders. With good elders, submitting doesn't have to feel demeaning. With bad elders, it feels demeaning. But with good elders, it doesn't have to be that. And these men that we're going to install this morning as elders, uh, I will be very delighted to have the opportunity to submit to. I want to ask those men and their wives, if you would, to go ahead and come on up on the stage with me right now. Go ahead and come on up. And their names, we're going to put them up on uh, a slide so that you can see them. And you might be interested in knowing a little bit about uh, how these guys, how a board of elders operates. First of all, it's important for you to understand that no one of these men will have individual authority over the church. All of the men on the board of elders will have authority only as a board. So no one of them can just say, here's what we're going to start doing. Only as a board can they do that. The other thing that I want you to understand is that they are to be leaders of our church. Can I have you guys come up here a little closer? Is it okay if I move some of this stuff back? Um, Pardon me? I'm going to anyway, so that's right. Um, These guys are not to be represent. they're, They're to be leaders, not representatives. So this isn't Congress. This isn't how Congress works. What we're asking these guys to do is to lead us. What, they're, what, they're, what we're asking them to do is to seek God's will for City Church. And yes, they'll listen to us, but it's their job to seek God's will for City Church, to lead us and to follow His will, not to follow my will, not to follow your will, but to follow God's will. And I will tell you that they're going to do this imperfectly. They're going to make mistakes. And I would just challenge you guys. Uh, There's also a fourth elder. He's not here. He's in Germany this morning, but he'll hear this. And I I, want to challenge you guys as a board that when you make mistakes, to publicly acknowledge that you've made mistakes and to ask for forgiveness and where necessary, seek restitution and reconciliation with the people involved. And then I would challenge you as a congregation that when they do those things, to forgive them quickly when they've asked for forgiveness. I want to charge you men this morning, and I'm sorry, I meant for them to bring you guys up here too. Come on up. I want you guys to come on up, please. One, Kevin's wife, Shauna, had to be in Chicago this morning, and then as I said, Paul and his wife, Sally Kleinknecht, are in Germany this morning. Before I pray for you guys, I want to charge you guys with a few things. First, I want to charge you to watch over your lives, and I want you to continue to pursue Christ. I want to charge you to do that. I want to charge you to lead this church with the interests of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, first. I want to to charge you to protect the doctrine of this church and to guard against anything that would dilute the power of the gospel.
I want to charge you this morning also to protect the unity of this church. That is always, unity in a church is always so precarious. And in protecting the unity of the church, you prevent the enemy from stealing our joy as a church. And you prevent the enemy from sullying the reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the reputation of this body of believers as you protect the unity of the church. And congregation, I want to charge you. I want to charge you to pray for these men and for their families. I want to charge you that you would pray that God would give them wisdom and that he would give them unity. And I want to charge you to pray that God would protect them from the enemy who would seek to discredit them and who would seek to, to discredit City Church corporately and who would seek to discredit Jesus Christ ultimately. So pray for these people. It's my pleasure this morning to install you guys as the Board of Elders of City Church. I'd like to say a word of prayer for you and then you will officially be the first slate of elders at City Church. Let me pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for these men and for their families. Lord, I I pray that you would indeed give them wisdom. I pray that, Lord, that you would give them through the power of your spirit unity. I pray that you would give them a desire, a continued desire to seek you, to seek your will for this church. Lord, I pray for these men that you would give them the ability to, and the desire to guard this church from false doctrine. That the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ would never be diluted at this place. Lord, I pray that you would protect their families. Lord, I pray that you would protect these men from the enemy who would seek to discredit them. Lord, I pray that they would understand the importance of their responsibility as elders of your church, And that in this local assembly of believers, we are advancing the revolution of you, Lord Jesus Christ, that began over 2,000 years ago on a hill outside Jerusalem, on a Roman cross. And I pray that the gravity of that would hit them. Pray that these men would be men of prayer, men of devotion to you. And our Lord, it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Would you please show your appreciation to this group of men and their wives? Thank you, guys. Thank you all very much. Thank you all. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thanks, Pam, Stephanie. You guys can be seated. I wanted their wives to come up because the task of leadership in a church is... um, it's, it's often overwhelming, it's time-consuming, it is stressful, and um, often the families um, of men who are on the Board of Elders sacrifice enormously for the church. And in advance, I want to say thank you to those ladies and to their families for the sacrifices that they will undoubtedly make in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Let me just, let me just do this as we wrap up. I know we're running a little long, but it's our first anniversary, so we should be able to do that today. Let me just, let me do this. The vision of City Church. Can we all read this together? Let's read it out loud together. The vision of City Church is to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond through a movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Just notice for a moment on that vision statement that the engine, that the engine of all that we want to see happen in Evansville is a movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm still new to Evansville, but I have this sense that people in Evansville have lost hope in the power of the gospel. I have a sense that there's a lot of church attendance in Evansville. Um, Some of it's out of habit, some of it's out of tradition. But I'm not sure how much of it is out of conviction that a church can really make a difference in a city. And I'm not sure how much of it is out of conviction that the cross of Christ can still bring deep healing into individual lives and renewal into a city. Now, you can call me naive if you want. You can call me simple. You can call me unsophisticated. You can call me foolish. But I side with the Apostle Paul. He said this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 23. He said, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I happen to believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ can still change lives and can still change a city, and that any church that takes the gospel seriously can accomplish what no school, what no business, and what no governmental policy can. It can change people from the inside out. It can heal lives. It can heal brokenness. It can do what nothing from the outside can ever do because the gospel works on the inside of people. And then as a result of what happens on the inside, it manifests itself on the outside of people's lives. The most important things that happen in this city aren't in the offices across the street, uh, in the government offices across the street. It's not in the classrooms in this city. It's not in the businesses of this city, as important as, as all of that is. And I'm not trying to demean any of that. I'm not trying to minimize how important those things are. But I am saying that the most important things that are happening in this city are what's happening in the churches who take the gospel seriously, where people hear Scripture taught deep into their lives, where people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, where people experience community with one another on a level that is unlike what anyone else experiences with other people, where people unlearn what the world taught them was true and real, and where individual people take what they have learned and take the difference that Christ has made in their lives back out into the world and as a result change the city. This is where the most important things happen in the city of Evansville. Somebody asked me recently, where's the hope? Where is the hope? And I would answer the question this way. Here, right here, is the hope. Here's the hope of Evansville. Here's the hope of the world. It's in the local church. Any local church that believes in the power of Christ crucified and believes that that is the most important truth in the universe and so believes it that they'd be willing to shout it from the mountaintops of life and even from the deepest valleys of life. That's where the hope is in a church that believes that. My prayer this morning as we wrap up is that as a result of our ministry here in the center of Evansville, that the good news of the gospel would echo across this city into the surrounding communities and that revival would begin here in Evansville, a revival that would shake the foundations of this city. 
And you say, that's impossible. And you say, well, that's nothing but pastoral hyperbole. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus used 12 fishermen to spark the greatest revolution that the world has ever known. You think that was impossible, right? No. Nothing is impossible with God. And it's not impossible that God could start a revival here in this city that would shake the foundations of the city through this group of people. That's my prayer, that that would happen. And that's what I'm hoping for this morning. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, what an honor it is to be part of your local church. And Lord, what an honor it is to be part of a church that wants to reach the city. Lord Jesus Christ, we know that there is so much more to be done in this place. Lord, would you use us? Would you use us to help build a great city here? Lord, I pray for those in in authority in our city, for our mayor, for others in authority in our city. Lord, I pray that you would give them great wisdom, but I pray that you would also make them attuned to the fact that the most important things that happen in this city happen in the churches that believe the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray.